and welcome to another episode of All That Film. Welcome back to another episode of All That Film. Today, we are joined by your host, Hey, of course, but today is another special rendition of everybody's favorite uh, Toddcast uh, with only Todd. Hello. Welcome. Woo! Hello. Um, the people, you know, they've been clamoring, much like the <laughs> McRib must return uh, to McDonald's. Thus, the the Toddcast must much uh, make its return to all that film. Exactly, it comes um, in for this limited time, and you and you treasure it when it's right, here. Right, yeah. right. We have a limited quantity uh, of these as well. Todd, you have, I believe, eight movies that you've seen. Uh, yes, in, in my Continued hiatus from movies currently. Um, you are you are thankfully filling a, a much needed role um, for a lot of these movies that that we want to get thoughts on, of course. So I am here strong. to try strong. to to guide somewhat on uh, maybe discuss discussion questions thing to to corral you from from going full Todd. You know, yeah, um, I need to be reined in. So I understand, that. <laughs> of course. Uh, but for those at home listening, uh, it'll be in the description, so you will already probably have seen. Uh, but the movies that we will be reviewing are Decision to Leave, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, After Ever Happy, uh, Falling for Christmas, Disenchanted, She Said, The Menu, and After Sun. Yeah. Pretty illustrious group. Um, we are starting things off. With Park Chan Wook's latest film, uh, "Decision to Leave," which I believe you saw in the theater, Todd. Uh, I did. And uh, first question: Was this your first of his films in the theater? Um, yeah. Uh, well, when it came out, I saw Old Boy in the theater for like a, re- you know what I mean, like a re-release, re-release. But yeah, this is my first time to see one of his that came out uh, when it came out. So yeah, it was a big deal. Pretty excited right. about it. Right. Was He's it worth it? This, this has not uh, unfortunately been showing in my area. Um, to me, it was pretty worth it. This film is pretty awesome. Uh, I like it quite a bit. It's uh, it depends. What are your favorite of uh, Park Chan Wook's uh, films? Uh, my fave of his is Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance by a decent okay. bit. Uh, that's one of my fave movies all time. Okay. Um, I I've, go ahead. He he did Thirst, correct? Yes. Yeah, I really dig Thirst too. Um, maybe I could be talked into liking that more than Old Boy. the The thing with Old Boy for me is, uh, I wasn't sure the name of the movie when it was being talked about, but someone basically spoiled the entirety of Old Boy for oh, me when we playing basketball. Uh, and once I started <laughs> watching Old Boy, I was pretty sure. Like I put two and two together because uh, <laughs> it was kind of pitched as like. Oh, you know, there's this really like underground foreign movie, and I was like, "Oh, is it the most popular <laughs> foreign film?" <laughs> and it it was. Um. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. You know, I was actually a little bit late to him. I can't claim a lot of cred with uh with him, but he's a director I really do appreciate. 
And what I like about this film, Thirst is maybe like one of the comparisons I would make in that this film is about like a really kind of like a messed up relationship. But it's kind of funny. I mean, so it's not even listed as a comedy, but I think it almost could be. I think it's a dramedy. It's very interesting. What? Oh, I just said right. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I, my apologies. Uh, so yeah, it, um, but it's very funny at the same time. It's got two pretty amazing performances, uh, in the forefront of it. And it's, I don't know. It's really good. So yeah, I think you should really try to see this film. It has a lot to say about how messed up, uh, like relationship dynamics can be. Uh, but also just it's just got some classic weirdness to it. I really like it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's always been known for uh, loose genre. I mean, obviously, a lot of the Korean New Wave is like loose genre confines, but Park Chan-wook specifically plays around with genre in a really interesting way. Um, the thing that I was wondering, the the question that I had, and I more than likely the answer is probably going to be no, um, mm-hmm. but obviously... Bong Joon-ho had a huge boom in popularity because of Parasite. Uh, rightfully yeah. so. Like that, that film's awesome. Um, and I almost feel like I'm kind of rooting for Park Chan-wook to get that at some point because pre-Parasite, I think I could be wrong, but in the States, he was regarded at higher than Bong Joon-ho. And I feel like it shifted now. Um, oh, it's definitely shifted now. Whether that was the case, I think uh, I think Bong Joon-ho was on his way up already because, like, I can say, like, in the horror community, a lot of people really love, I'm blanking on the name of it, the monster film he did. Um, is it just called Monster? No, no sorry, Host. Host. The host. host. Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, um, but he, the thing is, Bong Joon-ho makes more approachable films. And I don't mean that as like a negative or a positive. I love both of these directors, but like it makes sense that Bong Joon-ho would surpass Park Chun-wook because uh, Park Chun-wook's films are just too weird for the mainstream. Like I, I could recommend almost all of Bong Joon-ho's films to my parents who are, you know, uh, decent film fans but still you know like are you know in their 70s and i could like comfortably you know donate dedicate most of those films to for them to them seeing where i couldn't do that for uh old boy (laughs) right uh or the handmaiden or things like that so uh i just don't know if park chen wook is going to have that moment in the united states uh Unless... Yeah, I feel I feel like maybe the closest thing yeah. is The Handmaiden was pretty popular when it was coming out relative yes. to expectations. So I, that's what I was wondering, because I don't know if you've talked about this film with people. I, I just wonder if... I know Decision to Leave is on movie in a lot of other countries. So I just... I kind of hope, like, he just also keeps, keeps rising. Uh, but yeah, I do agree with you. That was the weird thing that when I was going back through Bong Joon-ho's catalog... I actually started doing it before Parasite, mm-hmm. um, which felt like I don't like I'd found you know Apple right before it was gonna boom. Um, sure. Because you're right, like a lot of his films are very very accessible and 
they just have like a lot of really interesting things to say. And whereas like Park Chan Wook, there's uh, there's a lot of unique and, and interesting things he he goes for. But I, I I agree with you. I think it would be easy to recommend. I mean, if we're just comparing their two horror films, uh, Host and and Thirst, I think Host would be a little bit easier to recommend. Sure. Well, I'll give you an example of this. Old Boy Among Film Circles is considered to be a very, like, watchable film. Like, an intense film, but, like, it's popular, you know? Right. I assigned it in one of my classes, and there were, like, three students who loved it, and then, like, 28 students who were like, what the hell is this? (laughs) Uh, And, like, I think that's kind of... I think that's kind of how he's going to get responded to by... You know, like lay American audiences. I don't mean that in a critical way. I just mean people who aren't dialed in regularly on movies, you know, or thinking about movies regularly. Uh, like, I think it's just a little too weird sometimes. Yeah. You know? Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, then that's, that's pretty much all I had. If you have anything, I mean, obviously what, what did you give the set of 10 if you want to share, but anything else? Oh go for no, it I we... gave this a nine. I, find this great i actually rated this as his second best film um nice. you know, the ones i've seen i i quite enjoy this i i believe that his last two films are his best two films which makes him very exciting to me so someday i could see him having like a picture nominated for best picture or something like that well that's, what, that's what i was curious with this yeah. this probably do you think this has a, a chance whatsoever um, i don't uh okay. but i am not great at oscar predictions to be fair so, it, it currently yeah. is not in the projected pool of 10 that get nominated i mean the good thing is 10 movies get nominated now so uh, anything's possible but I, is it I, south korea's pick do you know it is south korea's okay. pick for a foreign film and and that was pretty notable because corrida has a broker that comes out for us okay. later this year yeah, yeah. um so it was kind of that's what I was. What I I always kind of like when there's a, a he, sort of heated debate for for countries to select their one film. Um, obviously, it probably shouldn't be <laughs> like maybe we should we should just oh hey the five best films around the world. But you don't want to have one year where I don't know if you remember this, but when Portrait of a Lady on Fire uh, came out, Is it wasn't Francis' pick. It was like their third or fourth uh, option. Yeah. Um, which That's was, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense because the one that they picked, I think, was Les Miserables, which yeah. is inherently French. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will move on. Uh, we probably will only briefly talk about this because we'll do a full review later when I see it. Um, mm-hmm. But Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Talk to me, Todd. What did you think? I was very adequately entertained by this film. So that is my take on this film. It was, um, I've seen a lot of people who really love this one and maybe it's just because of growing fatigue, which I used to hate when people said that about Marvel films, but I'm just being honest. Like I've just grown a little fatigued by them. Uh, there just wasn't a lot in here that super wowed me. I guess like Marvel films don't make me that emotional generally. And so like a, a lot of it is very, emotional and it just didn't hit me i guess completely um 
and it was uh you know adequate entertainment i i didn't find it to be one of the better marvel films uh so for you better worse than thor 4 where we (laughs) (laughs) so this is much better than thor 4 uh the film that broke me yeah Uh, for for anybody that missed uh that recording uh todd thought thor 4 was the worst marvel movie i Uh, do i think it's the worst marvel movie and i I don't think think it's it's insane look i just how many how many goat screams were in Black Panther two? That's that was <laughs> what could really get me to the theater. Uh, well, I know you don't like spoilers, old joke. so I can't answer. So, right, uh, yeah, of course. Um, here's one question that I had for you. I don't know if you remember this. Uh-huh. Um, what did you think of the actor that plays Namor, and do you know why it's notable? I am asking you this. I don't, but I thought he was awesome. Okay, the reason I asked, I, I thought you wouldn't remember, but I have the receipts. Uh, this is not, this, <laughs> this isn't, uh, this is just a good thing that I called, I guess. I didn't realize Tenoch Huerta is Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Okay. And I didn't realize this was the actor that was playing Namor. Um, and a year ago, uh, the Forever Purge came out. And I said in our recording, I said, Tenoch Huerta is way too good to be in this movie. Um, so it's cool to see him like in a, in a big, you know, blockbuster film uh, that in theory should be a better script than the Forever Purge. Uh, maybe. He's, he's, well, is there a script that's better than the Forever Purge? We'll talk about that a different day. <laughs> but I, uh, he was, in my opinion, without going too deep into it, he was my best favorite part of the movie. Actually, I, I loved him. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people really praising his performance. Uh, to me, the film just tries to do a little bit too much, uh, even for two hours and 40 minutes, which is just way too long. In my like, in my opinion, I know I sound like just an old man whining, but these films are just getting too damn long for me. Uh, well, it's, especially because all of them have been pretty long. Um, yeah. Except for, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Multiverse of Madness was pretty short. Relative to the others, Thor four was shorter, and thank God, Uh, (laughs) that's all I can say. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the film is just—it feels kind of like three films in one. And I know there's reasons, you know what I mean, that go into that. But if I'm I'm just evaluating it as a film, no, it's harmless. Like if people like it, that's great. It just didn't do a ton for me. So, so here's I have I have two final questions for you before we get to your score. Uh, one, do you think I will like this, and do you think I need to see this in the theater? I do not think it needs to be seen in the theater. I thought actually a lot of the action was underwhelming, uh, but I uh, yeah, I think you'd probably like it. I think you'd like it better than I do. Gotcha. I don't know if you. I don't know if you'd love it though, or if it would be at the top. Where Where do you think I would have this on the MCU? Like, t- like I think there's feels like close to thirty films now. Uh, mm-hmm. Where do you think I would put this relative to your ranking? I guess it, I put it, it. Mine. It ended up being around twenty three. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. 
But I'm lower on this film, admittedly, than other people. So I might just be. I, I mean, I've I've heard a decent amount of people that have even the people that really like like Lindsay mentioned mm-hmm. that the film is pretty long. And even though she enjoyed like a lot of the emotional aspects of it, she was like, it really is trying to do a lot, like a ton. Um, and it's just difficult to get everything when you have multiple different stories to balance. My second follow-up question that I forget if I brought up to you or not. Um, and this is technically non-spoiler. I, again, I know nothing about this film. I don't watch trailers and stuff. So I will, I will, I literally won't be able to spoil things for people. Uh, but I guess if you don't want to hear what's not, uh, in the movie, uh, maybe skip ahead, I guess. Um, do you think the initial script for this, uh, was going to be taking place during the five-year blip. Do you think that would have been more effective for this particular story? Hmm. I don't think it would matter that much. Okay. Interesting. My answer. Um, I get why people might think that, but it's hard without diving into spoilers for the movie why I don't think that would matter as much. So maybe we'll save that for when we do a full review if we do one. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just, what's so interesting is like the reception wasn't great. Like it wasn't overwhelmingly great the way the initial Black Panther was. And obviously that sets a really high bar for the sequel one that might be unfair, but because of that, like I'm almost intrigued to watch it, to see the disc because even like some other people have been, I, again, I have seen nothing about this and I feel like people have been somewhat respectful about uh, spoilers in this film, if there are any, Um, but yeah, I'll I'll probably, I'll probably make my pillage to the theater. Maybe, uh, What's what's always fun about November is, uh, you know, the the prestige movies all decide to come out at once. I guess so. I know it's um, it's crazy time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to see the menu this week. I'm hoping to see Bones and all, and then if I can get in a screening of the Fablemans. But it, who knows? Um, all right, we have a short one after this. Mm-hmm. Um, you completed the quadrilogy. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I'll say um of after ever happy it's the fourth film in the franchise correct yes it is the um, fourth film and it's only getting better from what everyone is saying oh my god uh, it's, it's only gone up from here <laughs> um i did not finish the third film i think i got oh, yeah. halfway through and i got the gist um these are admittedly pretty fun to watch <laughs> for bad movies uh, what do you think about After Ever Happy? This one is borderline unbearable. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it is it is very silly. There are moments that there are moments every once in a while of pure genius that last for like a second and a half, and then there's it's there's a lot of boring stuff in them. So you really have to wade through to find the the diamonds in the rough. Um, I would say it's the worst of the four uh, by far, by far. And it even includes wow. at the beginning. Like uh, it's really funny to me because I haven't seen this since the eighties. It even included like a last time on like thing at the beginning 
I thought they did that in one of the, and maybe they did it in another one of these teen teen movies. But maybe, well, maybe I, I've never seen it done as overtly. I'll put it that way because uh, <laughs> the kissing booth, the kissing booth, kind of does it, but they frame it as exposition. Right. This, this was literally just like uh, last time on blank. Right. right, that's what they do. Uh, so you you bring that up, and I can't help but I mean, obviously, uh, again, plug for Todd. Uh, he mm-hmm. hosts the Halloween podcast, uh, Big yeah, Screen yeah. Boogeyman. Um, <laughs> but Halloween Resurrection opens with a recap, and I had messaged you when we were talking about uh, me guesting on the pod for that one. Yeah, yeah. I was a little worried that I wouldn't get the gist of what was going on until I started watching the film and I was like, Oh, they tell me everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was my bad. I should have just, yeah, not worried. Well, it was just funny. You, you had mentioned, Oh, well maybe you need to check out H2O. Cause it'll be a little confusing. And then I popped it in. It's like, here's exactly what happened on H2O. Yeah. Um, the, it, how low is after ever happy for you uh, in, in your movie rankings this year? Oh, but oh, it's uh, it's like in the bottom fifteen or so. Okay, okay, of, we're not talking bottom five though. So well, for out of about one hundred and forty films, so right, right, low. yeah, right. I was taking a look at, at some of the rankings of people today. That's why I was wondering. Um, here's my question: Is this the actual end to this series? No, there's three no? films. Oh my gosh! Um, well. We'll keep I'm watching gonna watch, them. Um, I'm going to watch all of them. And all I will say is, what's her name? Hold on. I uh, I have it pulled up. Uh, Josephine Langford. Uh-huh. The one who plays Tessa. I just want to let you know, I can tell you're a good actress, and I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. <laughs> Oh, okay. Here's she's listening. Yeah, I just want to. I'm sure she's making money and actually and actually quite happy. But I just want to say, you can tell she's like got some talent, and so it's kind of sad. So yeah. Well, you also are a huge Wish Upon fan, so yes, and she is the she is the villain in Wish Upon. Yeah, it's it's good we get ahead of that. Here's my last question for you. So Mm -hmm. obviously, we're gonna probably get the extended, you know, after extended universe. If you could make it mandatory where one director has to direct the 10th after movie, who would you pick? Oh, it's that... mandatory. They can't say no. And they will care about it. Like they have to make it good or they don't have to make it good, but they have to create their version of the movie. This is actually an easy one. Normally I wouldn't go in this direction. Cause like he's a cliche answer, but this is the one where I give it to Tarantino. Let's Tarantino, go. I kid you not. That was <laughs> <laughs> especially because the funniest thing about that is everybody is he's been talking about this for yeah, years. His 10th movie, yeah. Uh, his 10th movie. <laughs> that would be perfect. I want that. And it would be so really, perfect. He hasn't done he hasn't really directed like a pure like romantic film like this. And I would I would love to see that. Right. This would be his his way to finally get into that that genre. Um, yeah exactly exactly all right well that's pretty much it what did you give this out of 10 <laughs> gave this two out of 10 uh and for what it's worth we did not do a score on black panther 2 oh. uh, what did you give that out of 10 six okay gotcha I, it seemed i think people could have probably gathered that from uh it was good how you're talking about it it just i probably won't revisit it that much 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we move on <laughs> to not a Freaky Friday. Uh, it is not Friday. Uh, but Lindsay Lohan is in this movie. Falling for Christmas comes yep. out in the heat of November. Um, yes, it does. As well as the Santa Clauses uh, comes out in the middle of November. Why these Christmas movies? And we get uh, the second Christmas story or whatever. We get that in November as well. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, one of these, it's, it's like how horror movies don't come out in October. Uh, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, Todd, what did you think of this movie on Netflix? Well, I thought it was uh, horrible. Um, oh. I, I did. I Okay, so here's my thing. The reason I watched this is because I my family supports Lindsay Lohan. Uh, right. Whenever we can, we want to... As many uh, do. Yeah, we want to support her. And... I just wanted to watch it because it was a new release and I had nothing else going on. So I, I popped it in. I make it sound like I had it on DVD or something. I pop it in and I, uh, I found it to be very boring <laughs> for the most part. I think here's the problem. Netflix is trying to copy Hallmark and Hallmark is just too good at making these movies. I, so, okay, here's here's what I will say. Yeah, I think it is working though. Like in terms of people checking out these movies, mm. they may be I, checking them out. I just mean in terms of all I can speak to is entertainment. You, you're talking right, about of course. In a sense, people are watching them, and I think some of their other Christmas movies aren't trying to copy the Hallmark flavor as much. This is just a pure Hallmark ripoff, though. Uh, it, it even like, kind of looks hallmarky, and the guy that, interestingly enough, the guy who directed it, I think, is from Hallmark. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. Okay. He did multiple Hallmark things before uh, doing this. So I, maybe, maybe this was like a really big acquisition for Netflix. Oh, sorry. She, she, uh, Janine Damien. Um, yeah. But maybe this was a big acquisition by Netflix, and they're like, we can get the Hallmark lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And uh, I like the the co-star's name. His name is Cord Overstreet. Yeah, I saw name. that when you were talking about <laughs> Lindsay Lohan, <laughs> your family being pro-Lindsay Lohan, I was going to say. Uh, well, actually, in, in my house, we're a Overstreet family first, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would just say Netflix, try to make more original holiday content and don't waste Lindsay Lohan. Because this was kind of, this was just very mid. That would be my take on this. Is It was it was a sad start to the Christmas season for me. I was hoping for something fun, more fun. Right, yeah, it's unfortunate. Because even, did you watch Love Hard by chance last year? Mm-mm. Okay, that was Love their art. big uh, Christmas movie last year, and it was because they they talked about Die Hard and Love Actually when they were texting each other when they like their meet cute or whatever. Um, oh, okay, and it has Nina Dobrev in it. I'm just looking this up now. Okay, yes, I yeah. believe it also has a uh, Jimmy O Wang. Um, okay. or sorry, Jimmy O Yang. Um, who's a comedian that I, I kind of like. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the only the only reason I asked about that one is I didn't love that movie, but it was enjoy like from an enjoyment standpoint that you're talking about, 
even though it is formulaic, uh, it had enough there that I was like, you know, I didn't hate watching this. It was well, it was fun to make fun of a little bit too. Um, I can like formulaic. This though was formula. The formula though then has to have these little flourishes of either so bad they're entertaining or interesting in some way. Or right. like, you know, you, you need a, genius a, a that, that night stand out. Yeah, you need something. And this movie was only formulaic. Was the problem for me? There just wasn't much extra. Right, right. And mm-hmm. Todd is a big fan of Sir Cole from The Night Before Christmas, so <laughs> we just need something to really draw us in with these Christmas films. Netflix, come on. That's right. Um, but uh, what would you give this out of ten? Uh, I would give this a 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. All right. We move on to another film that you don't have too much to talk about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Knock out these three in a row. Disenchanted. uh, The Enchanted sequel. Uh, Amy Adams and the rest of the crew coming back. And and they added a heated debate. is people saying, uh, you know, people deciding if you're, uh, I, I was about to say The View, but I feel like that's the wrong call. If you're more a People Magazine fan and not uh, as into films, uh, maybe you will call Paul Thomas Anderson Maya Rudolph's husband. Um, oh, and, right. <laughs> yeah, that made the rounds again because it's always funny, you know, when the two of them get brought up. Um, a certain part of the population will be like, well, I know who Maya Rudolph is. Why did you say Paul Thomas Anderson's wife? And then a certain population will say, why'd you say Maya Rudolph's husband? Uh, right. Maya Rudolph is in this. Uh, and that's about the only interesting bit I can share because I have not, again, I've seen none of these movies, but this one I, I do have access to. I will see at some point um, because I guess we're all, we're all plugged into the Disney machine. Uh, Todd, do you think this was worth it? Uh, a decade later to make this sequel? Um, probably, and I mean this, It's this is going to sound condescending, but I mean this in a nice way. Probably because it seems to make people happy. I just didn't think it was that great. Uh, but like, it seems to be making a lot of people very happy who have like nostalgia for this first film. And it's a very harmless film, if that makes sense. So like, uh, I think... The problem for me is the first one didn't even do a ton for me. Uh, And so the second one was just kind of, I was hoping for like a deconstruction of the first one based on the name and like some of what I had seen in the, the trailer. And it kind of is a little bit, but it's mostly just kind of like another, a recycled fairy tale story. And I wanted it. Right. To, I wanted it to, to focus more on the like messed up deconstruction of the prior movie than it did. If that makes well, sense. Well, in, in maybe this is not uh, where you were thinking about it, but it would be interesting if it analyzed like the origins of uh, obviously like a Disney movie that that is wanting to capture the same magic from the previous one probably wouldn't do this. But if it played with like the stories that are based on uh, those fairy tales and how they're actually like a, a lot more like a little bit darker uh, in the right. way we picture. But, you know, again, that would 
that probably wouldn't be, you know, as accessible for, especially, I think you're right here with your claim. Like a lot of people are happy to watch this and return to the enchanted universe. Um, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the first film. Uh, I will briefly mention Adam uh, Shankman is the director here. Uh, mm-hmm. He directed Vin Diesel's best performance in the pacifier. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking Oscars maybe, um, but who's to say? Fine. Um, yeah. Fine Oscar. Right. Adam Shankman. Yeah. All those years of, of him doing uh, Oscar bait, like cheaper by the dozen too. Uh, he, he finally gets his, his one. Um, here's my one question uh, for you. And then we can move on to your score. Cause I don't have too much to ask you. Well, actually, I have two questions. No mind. Sorry. Okay. Did you like Maya Rudolph in this? Was she a good addition? Yeah, she was. She's very good. The thing is, all the people in it do admirable jobs. All the people in it uh, do good work and are putting in work. So it's not like anybody's phoning it in. For me, the script just wasn't that interesting, and it just kind of meanders a little bit too much. But Maya Rudolph was a good addition uh, to the cast. Um, and I cannot remember the two women who flank her, and I wish I could. But, like, there's, like, a trio, basically, of women who hang out together that Maya Rudolph leads. And they all do a great job in it. Uh, and the, the, yeah. So, yes, is the, the short answer. I gave you the long answer, but yes. Okay, and then is this somewhat a slight redemption for Amy Adams <laughs> sans <laughs> hillbilly elegy. <laughs> um, be living in Ohio. Uh, I cannot currently put myself in a position where I can forgive Amy Adams right now. <laughs> Here's um, this is a little sizzle for the listener for a future episode. Um, I, I don't know if we can bring a, I would have said if, if we're talking about like right after arrival, man, we're about to do a, a top 50 uh, like stars, not top 50 favorite actors or anything, just star power or something along those lines. And Amy Adams, like current stars after arrival, I would, I would have bought so much stock in Amy Adams and it has yeah. uh, not been good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like she's a great actress. Maybe she's just she bad at picking roles and now she's got more control over her career or something like that. I don't Maybe. know. I you know what I mean? Like the but there's gotta be some explanation because you're right, it is it's like a bad streak right now. I don't know what right. it is. The, the only thing I will say um, is she is in Marielle Heller's next film, who she did uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, cool. For what it's worth. Um, yep. And she has a, an Adam McKay film, I think, coming up too. So hopefully <laughs> we're turning this ship around. If we end up doing it the way that I sort of pitched it, this is one of the ones that like is a if if we're doing like actual stocks for actors, um, mm-hmm. this is one that I would buy on the dip. Um, I think things are looking up eventually for Amy Adams. <laughs> See, it, to me, it just to me this just depends 
whether you believe in God, because if there is a God, <laughs> he won't let Amy Adams rebound from doing the film Hillbilly Elegy. I think her career is dead. So if she, if she comes back from that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could draw your own conclusions, but if she comes back from that, I think it says something. That's Todd actually I'm really saying. was positive on our Hillbilly Elegy review for one of Torrent. Um, not about Amy Adams. Yeah, you gave it a 10 out of 10 and said she needs to be nominated now. <laughs> that doesn't sound um, like me, but okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll have to check the tapes. We'll we'll run it back. You also said you love Ron Howard. Anyway, uh, what would you give this out of 10, Todd? Uh, Disenchanted, I would give a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Just knocking it out of the park with scores here. All right, we move on to She Said. Uh, what can you tell us about She Said? It's pretty good. Like it's um it's just a really solid film. If you're not familiar I, I mean if people aren't familiar with she said it's just gonna journalism film about uh the Harvey Weinstein case and what broke it open. And it's done, you know, a la some of the great journalism films of the past where it's you know done like a thriller and so you're waiting the whole time to see where the next shoe is going to drop and uh you're you know constantly waiting for twists and turns in the story and there's constant pitfalls that they have to overcome uh and it's really thrilling and interesting and the film also does a lot to treat its subject matter seriously in my opinion to the detriment of it cinematically, maybe, in a, like, one minor, like, part in that, but probably better overall for the message. Occasion occasionally, it uh, it just gets a little too explainery, if that makes sense, uh, oh. like, of terms and stuff like that. Kind of, like, uh, kind of like the big... Um, the big short? The big short and like other films where occasionally like it'll get overly explainy to me and it like takes me out of the film temporarily. Well, uh, other just than real that, quick, because you mentioned the comparison, are you talking about how they comedically interweave mm, vocabulary no, like no, the no. big short or they don't comedically interweave the category? What? Uh, so it's actually a bad comparison. Never mind. I, this is going to be a bad comparison. Here's what it is. Occasionally, the dialogue feels stilted because the script's purpose seems to focus on explaining things that are socially important to the audience. Okay, gotcha. Um, so that, I think, makes some of the conversations feel a little wooden, where I wish they felt a little bit more natural and weaved in. Other than that, it's a pretty thrilling film. Here's here's my one question. Um, were you a big fan of Spotlight when it came out? Um, I like Spotlight. I was like, I was not a uh, like this needs to win the Oscar sort of person, but I think I give Spotlight eight eight out of ten. Yeah, I think. And okay, so this is the, the reason I I asked this a second ago. Um, I had this hot take a couple pods ago that I think we're going to look back eventually on the new Oscar voter and realize it kind of sucks a little bit that like, I think there's a chance that, I mean, it might be nominated. I don't know, uh, but it's a pretty competitive field this year. I, I guess I could pull up odds. Um, and I know that she said it, it didn't do well commercially, at least in the first week 
there's a film that also released uh, that's a little bigger, uh, The Menu, uh, that did pretty well still in the wake of a huge Marvel film, um, which was surprising. Um, and the only reason I ask is I feel it's like Spotlight, if yeah. Spotlight comes out this year, I don't know if Spotlight would be a front runner for the the best picture category specifically. Oh no, I don't think so at all. I think that was I would have to go back and look at that year, but I, I think I remember isn't that a notoriously like weaker year? I mean I, I, I really like that year. Uh okay. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's more me personally. I could I could be wrong, but I don't. Is that the year? If, with... if I recall, it's the year right after. Uh, it's either right after or before. No, it's before uh, La La Land and Moonlight. Okay. So it was the year that we had the Big Short, the the Revenant. Oh no no no! Actually, no. You're right. Um, a lot of the categories were a little sparse, but Best mm-hmm. Picture was pretty good. Um, okay. Because they they ended up nominating Mad Max Fury Road, uh, a couple of other things made their oh. way in. But I I remember specifically the lead male category was like mm-hmm. it's probably the weakest pool it's ever been. Because um, mm-hmm. the three front runners were Damon and the Martian, who was my pick but had no chance of winning. Uh, Leo and the Revenant, and then Michael Fassbender and. Jobs, I th- yeah, Jobs also came out that year. Okay. Um, but yeah, the reason I ask is, uh, do you think this has a chance to be a front runner for Best Picture? Obviously, you haven't seen all the films. Babylon, Babylon still has a month before it comes out. Um, there's plenty sure. of other women talking. Is another uh, front runner. It seems like the sort of film that could fit the like. And I'm, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. I, I mean it like the procedural way. What's that film from last year that about the trial? The trial of the... Uh, trial of the Chicago, Chicago 7. 7. It feels like the sort of movie that could fill that sort of role for the people who like these kind of like procedural, headsy, very dialogue-driven films. Uh, because like this film is nonstop talking just for two hours and nine minutes just you know what i mean like constantly that going on and so um it it's got that like occasionally kind of not witty in like a comedic way but like that witty banter back and forth like quick and so i could see it filling that role potentially but i'm bad with oscar odds i could also see it getting some noms for best actors uh our best uh i guess in the case of the oscars actress um and maybe like a writing award apparently is it's in the running for, even though I think a couple of the parts are a little awkward than the way they're written. Yeah. I've actually heard that a, a couple of times with the, like the way they adapted the script in this um, mm-hmm. people are saying was kind of a weaker element. Uh, surprisingly. Um, I, I forget how they split the, the nominations for this one, but I think Kazan I'm, might be the one that's the lead actress and whichever one they picked for lead probably has less of a chance because lead actress is the most stacked category this year. Sure. Um, there's some to the point where <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of worried for Michelle Yeoh. I'm, I'm still hopeful, but um, you know, a little Why, scared. Who do you think is going to beat Michelle? 
Um, I mean, more just for her to secure nomination, just this, the staying power of a movie that releases in April is always a little tricky, but I, I'm pretty sure Kate Blanchett is the clear front runner right now. If I saw, if I'm correct. I don't know who's in woman talking though. I saw tar. Um, and, uh, it's good. I think Michelle Yeoh is still my favorite though. Uh, whatever you know like <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what happens right I yeah uh i mean Kate Blanchett's really good in tar i just i i don't know Michelle's performance is so heartfelt and i believe that the oscars sometimes give like career awards yeah this this one feels like it could be a but i'm worried they view it as a career nomination and not a career when because that's i i do agree with you especially because what's funny about this is everyone disagrees or not disagrees but picks and chooses when they want a career award so for instance when gary oldman uh did the fat suit for winston churchill um there were a lot of people that were like well he shouldn't just get the oscar because he's due and then there's years like this where uh you know a certain amount of people are like well michelle yo does deserve an oscar um and this is a great, this is a stellar performance. I also think she uh, deserves an offer, uh, Oscar just for the performance itself. But um, yeah. what would you give She Said out of 10? Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked She Said. Uh, we will move on to a film that Lindsay has informed me to let the people know that she didn't like the menu, um, which is all you will hear negative uh, because Todd really dug the menu. What did you think about this, Todd? <laughs> now I'm just so curious about what she didn't like about the menu. That's, that's okay. Uh, so I um, really liked the menu. I thought it was uh, like a funny kind of satire on the rich and like foodie culture and it's very, very unusual. Um, and it makes, I guess I could see why she wouldn't like it because it makes some pretty bold choices. Uh, but that's my starting point with the menu is I really liked it. I really like uh, Anya Taylor-Joy in it, but like to me, Nicholas Holt steals the show and is fantastic in it. Really? That's good to hear. I'm, I've always been a big fan of Nicholas Holt. But it's one of those weird ones where, at least for me, I was kind of always wondering, like, would I see a Nicholas Holt vehicle film? Um, Which he has, like, previous films where he's the lead person. Um, I just don't think they've been very good. I think what he is, though, is I I don't think he's one of those rare ones where he's just, like, a super hot character actor. Right, right. You know, that's a that's a great call. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he's just yeah, he doesn't work as like a lead. I don't think like for some whatever reason, he just doesn't work in the lead role in the same way, because I think his heart is in playing weird ass characters. You know, like he seems like one of those sorts of guys. Yeah. And if he's not spray painting chrome on his face while he's saying it's a glorious day. You know, he's not in it fully. Um, 
Exactly. Exactly. Uh, or like painting him his skin blue, or you know, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or being uh, a zombie in a Romeo and Juliet uh, rendition. Yeah. Um, now this film, you, like I said, does make very weird choices. Uh, so I guess in retrospect, I could see why somebody wouldn't like it, but I, I liked it quite a bit. Here is my one main question because I actually want to do a full review on this. And I do think, I guess, first of all, is this a film you would, out of all the films we've talked about so far uh, mm-hmm. that you'd want to do a full spoiler discussion on? Uh, oh, are you asking, is this the one film? Um, out of the film so far, obviously there's one that you're the highest on after this, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, would you want to do a, a full yeah, spoiler recording? I, besides, maybe de- obviously, decision to leave was started this out. So, now probably the menu would be the most fun to debate because I think people would have different interpretations of it. So, yeah, I could see that. Nice. Uh, I have one other follow up question, and then we'll move to the to the last film here. Um, we were talking about superstar stuff because Amy Adams. Um, sure. Is Anya Taylor-Joy a superstar? Is she a star? Is it safe to say that now? Yes, especially if you're talking about under age 35, like the demographic under age 35, I mean. Right, yeah. Um, Because I don't know if my dad knows who she is, so I don't think she's like a superstar. But like, I I think she's a bona fide like star. Here, here's the question, and this is kind of where I wanted to go. This is the reason I, I prodded you on this, and this might be uh, more for the discussion of star power and what is, you know, how people gain notoriety. Um, I'd, maybe your dad or any, anyone over the age of, say, 50, we'll go with, um, doesn't know the name Anya de Armas, but I feel like if they saw a picture of Anya de Armas, they would say, oh, the girl that's in the chess thing on Netflix, even if they haven't seen A Queen's Gambit. And I feel like that ubiquitous notoriety is a little important for star power, at least as like a foot on the way in type of thing. You know, I kind of forgot. You were you on, you on said Anya de Armas, by the way. Oh my so gosh, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, just, just so you know. Uh, yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> They're on opposite trajectories this year. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, um, but uh, agree with that. Actually, now I forgot that she was in the Queen's Gambit, and I forgot how many old people watch that. So, yeah, my dad does probably know. I would say she's yeah. I'd say well, she's I haven't. I haven't. I don't seen... know if she's elite, but she's a list. Like right. I, don't, I, don't I actually haven't seen that. the Queen's Gambit, but it is interesting that. A Netflix vehicle. This is the thing that I will always sort of be very pro Netflix on is that when there is a big show, you feel it. And everybody's mm-hmm. talking about a Queen's Gambit and getting back into chess. Like they have a pull in the zeitgeist that no other, at least to me, no other streamer has been able to capture consistently. So Disney had, uh, gosh, WandaVision briefly. And then I don't think they've been able to get anywhere close to that afterwards um and then hbo has house of dragon but even succession like it does feel like a little niche it's not something to the level of like squid game or or even Queen's gambit in terms of everyone is checking it out oh sure sure i think um i don't know thinking about her 
I I don't know her future projects coming up, but she is she is mm-hmm. going to be in Furiosa after being Princess Peach in Super Mario Bros. Oh, wait, that's just voice though, right? Yes, correct. Okay. <laughs> not not. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's good for her career in some ways, but like, I don't think most people. Like think about that as much in star power as they should, uh, you know, or, or it's it doesn't come up as much. Um, interesting. So yeah, I, I mean, she's got to be one of the most like unique looking stars that we've had in like a while. Like you know what I mean. So she's got like, she's just got a very great charisma to her. She's got a striking look to her, and she's a great actress. You know, and so. I think her star is going up because even the films that she's in that get kind of critically like mediocre reviews, people still tend to like her in them. Like this is kind of a, you know, deep dive, but, or, but like, you know, we're in this film club together and we do our own awards show. And even though a lot of people hated, um, the Edgar Wright film, uh, last night in Soho, she still got nominated for yeah, she still got nominated for like best actress in a movie right. that like everyone hated. Like that's how much she's liked by, you know, like general audiences. So, yeah, I think you've convinced yeah, me. Yeah, I almost I I feel like if that movie did a little bit bigger, then her her star power would be a little higher. Um well, I don't know if if that movie has found a place on streaming or anything, but um yeah. All right, what would you give the menu out of 10? Uh, eight. I really like the right. menu. We move on to your favorite of this bunch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> After Sun, won't you come? Todd, <laughs> what did you think of this film? <laughs> that was wrong. All right. So, Charlotte Wells's <laughs> After Sun um, is one of. Broad, uh, I, I use this term broadly, though, one of the best films ever made. Uh, that's how much I liked this film. Uh, it is immediately going into my top 250 of all time. And wow. after a couple watches, I could see it really climbing up in some of my ranks. Uh, it is, I, I went to the theater to see it after some people in a film club we're in were, you know, talking about how much they liked it. Uh, and they were just raving about it. And so I went, for those who don't know, it's about a daughter kind of reflecting on and connecting to her dad through memories mixed in with you know, this is just the basic description with, you know, this is the format with, with like, right. you know, and stuff. So I just mean, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but you know, that's the format of it. It's, it's like mixed, like it's kind of like VHS mixed with, um, you know, like regular, uh, cinematography. Um, it's hard to explain because it just takes place over a short period of time and it's, it's just very emotional. It's about parents. It's about these like awkward, like wonderful moments that you have. And it's about how you understand your dad. And I I put here, like, it's basically an accurate representation of the awkwardness and intimacy of parenting in a way that's approachable and deep without being hokey or overly sentimental. 
That's how I would describe this film. It's wow. just, yeah, it's, it's I it's think a it's a difficult great. thing to do. <laughs> yes. I think it's, I just think it's a great film. Um, and uh, while I did not cry, I was surprised because I cry in films. I didn't cry, I think, because I was just so in awe of it. But people around me were like bawling in this film too. <laughs> I should note, like, uh, and when we left. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. But I, this is the first film from Charlotte Wells, and she hit it out of the freaking park. Nice. Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but praises from this. It actually. Wasn't even on my, I, I saw people mention it, but for whatever reason, it didn't register as, oh, hey, you really need to see this film. Same. Um, yeah. Here, here is my question for you. Um, I am not going to get this uh, in our theaters, I think, which is unfortunate. Uh, so I don't have too much to ask because I don't know when I am going to be able to see this, unfortunately, because if this was, I, I kid you not, if this had been available to me, uh, I, when did you see it, Todd? I saw it Sunday, I think. Okay. I think I was aware of how well it was being received last Thursday. And I was trying to check for tickets and there were none available. And I would have seen it immediately. Uh, here, here's my question. is: So I do this movie draft with my friends. Um, obviously, we do the, the summer box office movie draft. That is now the whole year still waiting for for avatar and babylon to come out to fully uh decide if anything can beat uh top gun <laughs> but there's another method that we went up going with that doesn't include box office you know it determines what is in quotes the best movie ever and there's multiple metrics metacritic um imdb rotten tomatoes and the biggest factor is it takes the letterboxed uh likes over the letterboxed uh, watches so a really high liked film will do really well uh, whereas something like Jurassic World Dominion will get absolutely obliterated for any goodwill from some like decent like not terrible scores I think Jurassic World Dominion had like a score of five uh, whereas something like After Sun I think it's close to like 250 <laughs> just for reference do you think After Sun should be rewarded as obviously you love this film, but here's my question. This compared to Top Gun Maverick, how do you quantify how those should be rewarded? If someone like, if you were doing a movie draft and someone picked after Sun over Top Gun Maverick, would that make sense to you? Like rationally, you'd be like, yeah, that works out. Um, no, based on the system you're describing, because Top Gun Maverick is about, 90% as good as this movie. And After Sun is going to make like 3% of what Top Gun Maverick made. Well, this this particular scoring system doesn't include that that's the interesting thing. It doesn't include oh, any box office whatsoever. Oh, interesting. I didn't so, I didn't understand that completely. Sorry. Okay. Would, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's been thrown out the window entirely in our new format with specifically my circle of friends that we're doing a separate trial. This is our first sort of trial for this. And okay. the only reason I bring this up is I think I don't have an issue with something like after sun, especially mm. because if you had picked this movie, you would have really had to do some research um, <laughs> and, and taken a flyer out on a first time director. 
So I think right. that should be rewarded if someone picks this, but there's something my friend uh, funnily took Marcel the shell with shoes on for the number three pick. And there's something that doesn't sit right with me that Marcel the shell with shoes on has like 263 points. Like it, it is dominated thus far. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. It's that that's, that's a problem with the system for sure. Uh, right. But I don't know. I don't know how to correct it other than trying to add an, uh, an unnecessary box office somehow. Marcel <laughs> really is that good. Why shouldn't it be a valuable? Well, thing? it is that good. I guess the question is of the two films of the three films, we'll go ahead and say, uh, actually we'll go four here. Cause these are, these are the top scores. I, we can go over it later. Um, I think RRR is in the top 10 by this scoring format. And, you know, maybe we can go through and because you've seen so many movies, you can sort of vet the process of like, okay, are these objectively some of the best movies? Um, of these four, how, rank them on how comfortable you would feel recommending them to someone. Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere, After Sun, and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Top Gun Maverick, number one. Of course. You could recommend that to anybody on Earth. Um, after Sun, Everything Everywhere, I think are both approachable, so I would put them almost equal. If I have to pick one, I'll just pick After Sun because I liked it a little better uh, above that. And then Marcel the Shell with Shoes On last. Although I think all four of those films, and this is probably why they're going to have high rankings, are just really super approachable films for most people. Right. Yeah. But that would be my ranking of them. But here's, here, okay, here, here's my other follow-up question, I guess. Of those four that I've named... Are there any that you think are missing in the top four that should be uh, included in in the scores uh, at the very tippy top? Oh, um, let me see. Like, I'll I, give you, I'll give you an example. I was sure. I was putting in scores. Obviously, not everything was drafted. Um, so I was doing some of the scores for the undrafted films, and yeah. I wanted to figure out a way to quantify. Uh, Barbarian getting points. I, I mentioned this on a review for Barbarian, but I, just okay. a film like that that delivers over expectations for people caring caring about it um, more than just like After Sun is going to be a film that a bunch of very very film people love and recommend to everyone else. But I don't know Sorry. if it reaches it. It should hopefully, um, but. I don't know if it reaches a further depth. That's how I felt with, I mean, this is another A24 film that I wish more people had seen that uh, was not in theaters a lot. Uh, the Farewell, that I yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. everyone should watch this movie. And everyone was like, ah, oh, you know, I got other stuff going on. So I'm worried that's the case with, with After Sun. But I will watch this as soon as I am able to. Yeah, it's very sweet. Uh, and it's intense, too. You know, it's it's a good film. Um, I would say if anything is missing in that top four, it's probably RRR or Nope are the two that are uh, Nope is for sure in the top ten, so is RRR. I'm trying to think there of some go. of the others. Um, I, I, the weird one is like Bob's Burgers ended up being in the top ten. Um, no, that system, one felt odd. Your system is dead. 
<laughs> All right, Todd, let's wrap this up. What would you give After Sun out of 10? Ten. Wow. There we go. Was, loved it. And that'll be the perfect send-off to this Toddcast. Thank you so much uh, for all these reviews, Todd. Working overtime for... No problem. For the people. I do it for you, everyone. Right. So, uh, we'll um, see you on the next one. Uh, we keep talking about this, so hopefully we'll do it. Um, the tricky part is just, uh, you know, getting people that <laughs> want to make the right selections for an actress thing, uh, star power that we, me and Todd want to spearhead in some way but i also i kind of want to do something with directors too just the state of you know uh uh, a lot of stuff towards the end of this year see where we're at like almost a vibe check of of a bunch of names um what they're up to and all that stuff but that'll do it for this episode thank you again todd and we'll see y'all on the next one bye bye